Hello and welcome to the 6++ Plus Show, a podcast for your wargaming and 40k needs. Hobby talk, tactics, tournament reports, lore and much more. We have it all. Please welcome your host for the evening, Tom. Welcome ladies, gentlemen and sons of the First Legion to that 6++ Plus Show. I am your host, Tom. And I'm joined tonight, as ever, by my dear leader, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm actually really good. I've had a good good couple of days of work so far, feeling very up and at them after a nice little rest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in a great space. I haven't, I haven't done any hobbying except for the playing at the RT with Aaron, which we'll chat about later. How about you? Anything new? Have you got any large commitments of hobbying that you need to undertake? Oh, funny you should mention that, um, <laughs> Tom, because recently... I have not had to wipe up painting for tournaments, and mm-hmm. as we know, um, I've been putting a lot of effort into my admech. Yeah. Um, had a lot of practice games with the admech. Yep. Played in a tournament with the admech. Was in a really good place with the admech, <laughs> and then at 11:45 <laughs> on Sunday night, decided to change my list. And by list, I mean army faction. <laughs> so, I have committed to painting half a Yanari army this nice. week. Um, I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't on Easter holidays. But, no. um, so yeah, I have paint, nearly finished five, I started today, the slog, nearly finished five Banshees and five Scorpions, um, and I'll get that done after this show. Um, and then tomorrow I get out the airbrush and uh, crack on with all the bikes. I've got six Shroud Runners, three Shining Spears, three D, D Cannons, and a Farsis Skyrunner to go. Nice, very nice. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for any role I may have had in making you at the very last minute change to a faction that you'd only half finished. Yep. Um, but also, I reckon, I reckon you'll enjoy it. I think you'll have a great time. Yeah, At least it's an army you're well versed with, you know, all the rules for. Yeah, I'm definitely not spending <laughs> my time reading my codex going, what's, it? what's this power again? Oh, how, how many attacks? Wow. Yeah, exa- exactly that. It's a good time. A, t- a moment of discovery for you, which would be good fun. Yeah. Um, well,. It's not just Chris here. We have a first-time guest. First time, first legion, first in our hearts. It is oh, Paul yes. James. How are you doing, Paul James? I am very well, Tom. How are you doing? I am really good. Thank you for coming on. Very excited oh, to have to you be here. here. Um, for for those that don't know Paul, Paul is one of our sort of stalwarts, one of our long-time players. Um, he's been on the channel a whole bunch of times. He takes names at events a whole bunch of times. Um, and he is, at the moment, at the very least, a basically a dark angel's mane that is his deal i mean it's um, been that way for a while <laughs> been that way for a long time so you're enjoying a good moment aren't you paul it's a, it's a good time to be a dark yeah, we're angel's sort of basking in the sun at the moment so to speak. <laughs> yeah with your waxy wings just waiting to see what happens um but obviously outside of the the meta there's also the lion come back that's obviously very exciting are you excited for that model oh i think it's, yeah he looks amazing i can't wait yeah. to get it i'm not sure yeah. hopefully i can do it justice with my painting um, so. I'm just really excited just to get hold of him. The yeah, only downside yeah. is he would come out at 10 o'clock when I'll be deep into round one at a tournament. But <laughs> <laughs> hopefully my uh, my opponent will understand when I suddenly stop to go on. To I try think you've got to prioritise it. You'd have won by then anyway. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> See how the parents go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Vic, I need to beat you really quickly, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, very good. Um, yeah, sweet. Well, also, less exciting and new, but, none, <laughs> but nonetheless also here, is, is Aaron Wilson. How are you doing, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks, Tom. 
good to see a pool out in the wild and not in his natural habitat of a tournament. Completely agree. Under the desk. Just yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> um, Aaron, I was I think I was hungover for two days after Saturday night. Um, I was in a Really? I, <laughs> yeah, I re- I'm a lightweight, as you know. I couldn't handle it. I was I, I was uh, absolutely ruined. I was a, a, a shivering wreck, but it was a very fun time <laughs> celebrating our our day out at the tournament uh, in the in the wild the wild surrounds of Leighton Buzzard. Very very enjoyable. Um, have you got anything new on the go, yeah. hobby wise? Anything exciting? Uh, no, I'm just finishing off the basing on some Storm Boys before I probably try and custom build a orc truck out of a scrapper launcher nice yeah very nice um because you're oh we'll get we'll get into it a bit later but obviously you're taking the orcs to uh to london aren't you i think Mm -hmm. very very good excellent right well we've got a wild and diverse show for you tonight all sorts of stuff's going to happen we're really good at self-promotion as you know so we're going to do that in a moment with the blues roundup Going to briefly do a little event recap because Aaron and I went out to the Outriders RTT. Then we will preview what we're all taking to uh, the London Open. Um, then Chris has got a segment on managing emotions and dealing with tilting when you're playing. I've created a mini game which is guess the infamous slash unpopular ninth edition unit. Um, Terminators. No, no, I, I, I was. I knew you were coming on. I was like, I'm not going to put any Dark Angels stuff in it. I'm going to be very well That's behaved. Going to be very well behaved. I've been very good. Um, and then we'll do some listening questions and then you can all go home. Well, actually, you, you can continue to be at home because most of you probably already are at home. But if any of you have gone out to watch this somewhere, then you can go home. Great. Without further ado, we're really good at self-promotion. Excellent at self-promotion. Um, and Chris is going to demonstrate why now with the plus round. Off you go, Chris. So um, we did some videos and they have been watched sometimes. Sweet. Um, the end. No, so we've got, um, we've had Aaron and Davey doing what they do best, talking mm-hmm. about Tau and um, the mighty Tyranids. Um, and then we've got two brand new shows which dropped today. Um, so Ed, uh, may you rest in peace, is doing <laughs> a new, we say that because he was supposed to be on the show. but Yeah, bless Ed. Rip. Ed is... Um... Ed is trapped in the warp. He was yeah, he was somehow in the room with us, but was unable to manifest in physical form. Yeah. He could only text in the chat box like some sort of residual AI. He <laughs> um, was all very iRobot, but he was unable to um, to break through and achieve anything uh, that would, would work for the show. So we had to banish him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he has done, he started a new series called The Best Army You Shouldn't Buy. Yes. Um, this is our first foray into the world of clickbait. And he <laughs> um, is basically going to be thinking about some really good armies that would be a complete waste of money. Um, and he starts with looking at um, basically slow harlequins, um, which is a Black Templar um, impulsor rush list. And he goes into details about it. It's the sort of list that I think you could probably have a lot of fun with on like TTS and that sort of thing. 100%. Yeah. Um, but obviously, seven impulsors will be illegal. Um, in 10th edition so don't go and buy this list but it is a very interesting and informative um, video yeah very much so Um, and then we've also got another podcast um, which is the undertaking of Lewis and Tom um, for episode 1 and it's called The Rest is Warhammer because apparently there's some famous um, podcast called The Rest is Politics and The Rest is History Yes. so they've um, 
rip that off in true style. So episode one begins looking at the making of a space marine. I actually listened to it whilst painting today, and I must say it was a very enjoyable listen. Um, it's really well done by the guys, so I'd highly recommend that, and that'll be coming out every so often. Who knows? Um, and then, in terms of what's to come, uh, we've got a couple of state of plays. Mr. Stephen Box um, was interviewed by Tom to talk about World Eaters. Yes, yes, he was. Um, oh, nice. And then you spoke to, I don't know who, about Sisters of Battle. Um, so, if you're a Sisters of Battle fan, Paint Celestine will be happy. And if you are a World Eaters fan, those will be out in the next week or so. And yeah, then, we've got a few in the pipeline. Finally, today. Um, Dave with his Grey Knights took on Lee with his Empress Children and that'll be a bite-sized bat rep which will be out at some point soon absolutely and that's the police roundup yeah a lot of ground covered yeah loads coming out Um, let's say big shout out for Lewis with the rest is Warhammer because that's obviously his first go at hosting Um, and we recorded that on Sunday as I say and I'd been out very late celebrating my Warhammers um, (laughs) the night before and I was a shell of a man but we had a really really fun time recording that and it was a very good episode and we got if you want to find out what legion we reckon macaulay colkin would be in you're going to have to go and watch that um and then there's a whole bunch of stuff about how space marines get made and in the future we're going to be doing the tyrannic wars because we're going to look at sort of marines versus tyranids obviously that's about to be the theme of the 10th edition release so we thought really good time to dive into all those stories and and look at my personal favorite high fleet behemoth and their valiant battles against um the space marines and all the horrible you know baddies of the 41st millennium as well um so yeah great okay well we're gonna do a little event recap um we went to the outriders rtt this is a local rtt aaron and myself uh three games we played on the saturday um in terms of outriders itself it's worth saying great event very good terrain uktc style they've, they've invested in getting the whole set sorted out um, they, they, you know, they were very good in terms of running it and TOing it. Um, it's a lovely space there at, at War Games Workshop, um, and you know, I, we really enjoyed, we really enjoyed the event. Had a very good time, played some lovely people. Um, we're going to briefly run through what I took in my games, and then we'll go. We'll hand over to Aaron and, and his his trajectory as well. So I took a su- sort of good and sort of silly um, Craft Worlds Eldar list, which is leaning on some of the tools that. Um, oh yeah, sorry, Davy, you were also there. <laughs> <laughs> and Davey, was he? Davey was also yeah. there. Yeah, he was. I don't know. Did you see him? I didn't see him. <laughs> I don't remember seeing him. <laughs> I'm sorry, Davey. I completely forgot. That's what happened. If you go home early on the night out, that's what happens, right? I'm not he was remember. like below table three, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, um, quite fun. A Siani list. It borrows some of the ideas from um, what Vic BJ has been doing with Craftworlds in recent times. There's some D cannons, a Wraith Seer, there's some ni- a Night Spinner, um, and it's got some sort of mortal wound dimensions to it, and it uses the ignore cover trait. So it's got various tricks like that. Um, but into that, I got very excited. And I, what essentially the story is that as I was tidying my office the other day, I was finally tidying it up and organizing it. And just in the corner, down by my paint desk, just tucked away in it, on the ground, upside down, was Morgan Ra, who I must have built a long time ago, and who had then fallen and got lost, um, lost in the weeds. And I was like, I, I have to paint this model because it's a lovely model, and I really want to run it. So I was like, I'll put Morgan Ra in, I'll put Baharoth in, put Jane's R in, just take three Phoenix Lords, 
and have a good time with with phase capped units. Um, and I had some I had some warp spiders, some striking scorpions, some banshees, various other things as well. Um, in terms of the, how the list played, it was great. It was really fun. It can score quite well. It can put armies away. It's active in all the phases. I really enjoyed it. I went straight through a knight's player who was there to win best um, best army with his beautifully converted five big knights. And obviously they didn't really function into an Eldar army. I just killed one, then killed two, then killed the other two. And it's like, okay, well, that was very nice. Thank you. Uh, and then I played Ben Piddington's Votan. And I played Ben Piddington once before. He actually beat me the last time at another Outriders event with his Chaos Knights. Um, and we had a really interesting game because I think he knew that if he just let me do me, I was going to be able to get round him and overwhelm him. So he rushed me very hard and he pushed both land fortresses right in my face straight away, turn one, killed some things. Um, and I was just about able with like my entire army's output to drop one land fortress a turn in the first couple of turns and then push through the army. So it was an interesting game and I managed to get away and, and win that one in the end, but Ben played it very well. I don't think it's easy to play Votan right now. And then in my final game, I played Steven, who was running a very sexy Dark Angels list. He had some Talon Masters, he had lots of Terminators, um, and he had the Apothecary and the Champ and various other sporting things. And I can't remember if he had Land Speeders or not. It was very much that kind of Dark Angels build, anyway, more Terminator heavy than anything else. Um, and we played on Recover the Relics, um, which I think was lucky for me, because it meant I could sit a long way back, far away from him, and just pick up my eights on my primary, which can be a real nightmare for Eldar. Morgan Ra was just holding a flank because Morgan Ra just likes to hold objectives on his own. That's what I do with him. It's that rage. I'll just be like, just ah, nothing. I'll put him there because he's the only Eldar thing that isn't just going to immediately die if you shoot him. So he can hold an objective on his on his Todd. Um, and in this game, I think I I got doubly lucky because what happened was in my t I went first, and in my turn one, I just didn't do anything. I just bounced off him. Like I didn't hurt any Terminators. I barely did anything. I, just, I killed one Terminator. I think with all my sort of preliminary <laughs> efforts. And at that point, I think Stephen just looked at it and went. Oh, I don't really need to do anything then, <laughs> and just and just sort of stayed where he was. When he probably on the pool, no, you just run at him, don't <laughs> you? You just, you just, you just chuck it all up. in. You've got to, yeah, you've got to go and shut me down and stop me doing stuff. But he didn't do that. He was a little bit passive, and he was just picking up his kills for Codex Warfare with his Talon Masters and you know, plinking things I was putting in his deployment zone, and, and seemed relatively happy with that. But he'd taken over a moment, which meant he did eventually have to start putting stuff in the middle, um, and then. In 2-3, I ramped it up and was able to actually just start clearing one of the sides and killing through the Terminators um, quite quickly. He also had Stubborn Defiance, which I couldn't really do anything about because he locked it down with lots of bodies and had the minus one damage and all that stuff. I was like, well, I'm not getting through that. But um, So that was a bit of a scoring concern. But yeah, started clearing a hole, at which point he started realizing he had to get going. He hadn't got enough kills on Codex because I'd basically hidden, and everything I was doing was like sniping, running back, firing, fading, shooting stuff from out of line of sight. So I was chipping away and he wasn't getting kills back in return. So he wasn't doing well on the mission primary and he wasn't doing well on um, on Codex. Which meant that he then got very aggressive with his Talon Masters and they went in, they killed some stuff, but then I killed both of them. And then Codex is even worse because now he hasn't got his Codex Warfare killing units. Um, but it ends, I, re I realized in sort of three, four, I have to go and make a massive Barney over his home objectives because I need to stop him trying to get a hold more at the end. So I need to basically make, really put him in the position where he's fighting to just hold on to the objectives he's already got um, and isn't able to push up and get a hold more. Um, and so with a combination of Farseer and Phoenix Lords and various other nonsense running in and, and sort of holding up objectives, I just about managed to do that and just about outscore him. I think there's about seven or so points in it. So really interesting game, I think. Stephen was comparatively inexperienced into Eldar, and I, I think that's—I just—I still think that's a matchup that a good Dark Angels player 
um, that knows what Eldar are going to do is is in a very strong position because I think if he just rolled down one flank with everything early doors, I just don't think I've got enough output to kill through it. But really fun nonetheless. Um, so and finish the downside of stubborn defiance, though, isn't it? You yeah. instinctively put a lot of units mm. stuck on one objective, and then you you just stuck there with three hundred odd points. Yeah, I completely agree. not doing much. I completely agree. I don't I don't think it's the pick for Dark Angels at this moment in time. I think it's too cautious. You know, yeah. if you're in a strong position, you don't need a cautious secondary D. You, you can go and go and make things happen. And um, I'm sure he just scored well with banners, um, or he could. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, either way, yeah, he, he definitely was a bit too tentative and, and let me play the, play in the game a bit too much, and I was able to sort of grind out a win in the end. Um, D cannons do eventually go off if you fire them for five turns, and they can, <laughs> <So> <laughs> they're going to they're, they're roll some fours at some point. Someone is going to die. Like. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I was very chuffed with that, and it was um, it was uh, three wins, and I was waiting around to see whether any other handsome people at the event had managed to score uh, enough points to place high. Um, Aaron, how did your how did your run of games go? Yeah, yeah, very good. I luckily avoided the the one sort of uh, unpleasant player at the event, this guy called uh, Davy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, it was the, it was like you said, it was a great run event, and um, like the setup from the time I went the before was really really nice with the investment in UKTC etc. Um, but I had uh, someone I think a couple of people on the team have played before first round, which was Sam Bodger with his Grey Knights. Yes, he's a lovely guy. I love Sam. Yeah, very very nice man. Very lovely painted army, um, and he got first turn, and I thought this was quite big, so I chose him to keep the. So I took orcs, sorry, um, and kept my cure rigs on the table mm. and sort of had to put them on the line. I was like, I expect to lose one of them um, just because of the amount of uh, output that he's got with the four Dread Knights. Um, and he took the one out on my left flank and then he, Sam was umming and ahhing for quite a while whether to sacrifice a unit of Inceptors to move block my other kill rig and my truck. Um, and chose not to, and then sort of just moved his Rhine up a bit too far, and then with the called a term on one with the advance and charge off of the kill rig and the um, the storm boys, the uh, the truck boys as well. It allowed me to launch into his deployment zone turn one effectively, wrap yeah. his Rhino. Uh, so he had to use emergency disembark to get out. Like lost five getting out. Yeah, out of ten. So. <laughs> and, just the way that it allowed me to push up there and then deny the primary for most of the game essentially is what won it for me if he if he yeah. put the move block there very very different game uh ended up winning it 90 to 70. nice um nice. but then it's it's the normal thing with orcs they start disintegrating suddenly then turn four and five oh yeah your opponent's score really starts to accelerate but just haven't yeah, denied yeah. enough for the the first part of it to stop it um, I then got paired into uh, Ben Ben Dards. Yeah, Ben Dards and his very very cool demon monster mush army. Mm. Who just beat um, Davy? So right? There was. Yes, he did beat Davy. Yes, he had just beat Davy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he said how unpleasant a game it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we <but> <laughs> So the guy just kept doing this dodgy Australian accent the whole way through the game. <laughs> he wouldn't stop. Wearing a vest. Uh, sunglasses inside. Yeah. 
But no, very, 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 very cool um, army. If you if you ever at an event that Ben's at, go and have a look at it as well. Like his his um, great and clean one is a converted Arachnorox spider mm. that's basically flipped upside down, so it's back to front. It, it looks really, really cool. Very well, yeah. very well put together. Uh, he had the um, Bellacore. He had the Wooncat Bloodthirster. Um, he also had uh, the special character. Um, Slanesh, Great Demons? Yes, I don't know what it's called, but it's just Shalaxi. 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 Is it that? No, it's not Shalaxi Helmet. It's it's like the Forge World one. It's Uh, some other other thing. It's Zarin something. I don't know the name. That's uh, why it's different, yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Aaron. Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like that's converted up from like a Cygore giant. Like it's all very beautifully done, but. um, Mm. Yeah, again, I went into that one and just um, full ahead pressure. Uh, they went, uh, Ben went first and uh, sort of creeped out a bit, which then allowed me to go straight into his great and clean one, which is on the table. I took that off the board with some Storm Boys and Knobs. Um, and then it hidden the uh, blood, hidden the Bellacore behind the big ruin. Yeah. And that, that came out to play, obviously, Warp Locust everyone in. So then. The Celestial Day Grey Demon was there and the Blood First, but then the Bellacore went into my Squigglesaur boss. Mm-hmm. And through his Invun, which he doesn't get, sorry, he doesn't get the Invun, but through Bellacore fluffing and then the Five Up Feel No Pain from the B Side Mantle, he tanked a lot of damage and wounds and <laughs> stayed alive on one wound. Outrageous. So I was like, oh, I'll just I'll use Fight Undefinite, was my original thought. But then he absolutely slapped Bellacore back and left him on four wounds. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, no one does that. And uh, yeah, in the following yeah, turn, Bellacore then killed my guy, and I killed him in response with Fight on Death. Uh, so it sort of turned it quite a bit. But then flipping the other way, I charged in with two units into the um, special character, uh, Slaneshi one, and chose the wrong unit to go first and left it on one wound. It ah. then obliterated the other unit that went in, gained back six, and over the game, course of the game, I think it regained 20 wounds. Um, so it's good fun playing the Monster Mash, lots of flying around, but again, it's just knew he was going to score very well on prim- uh, sorry, on secondary, so just denied the primary again and yeah. took that one down 91-80. Amazing. Yeah, um, really good. And then, yeah, so they've scored very well for me. I've enjoyed using them. And then in the final game, I had your previous opponent, um, Ben Piddington. Ben Piddington, yep. His Vatam. Yeah. And um, Ben was concerned about me getting in his face, like right <laughs> from the off. So actually, he yeah. right the paranoia. The table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aaron was like, just if you don't let me get a podium, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Squared off against him. That sounds just like Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, obviously, look. It's like you say, it's not great to play Votan at the moment. It's very difficult and starting him on the back of the board. And I think then, uh, I think the slight mistake that Ben then made was he'd made the choice to start him on the back of the board, but then also chose banners. Um, so it just allowed, it just allowed me the turns. It's like, I didn't, I didn't charge into turn one. All I did was just move up um, all the storm boys and just stage them in the other ruins and then just had my way in turn two. And uh, just because he, he held back off of um, being on any primary, etc., himself, just allowed me to totally swamp his primary for the whole game. Uh, even his secondaries, he only got uh, the kill secondaries. I think he got 
managed to teleport his high card at the end of the game to squeeze five out of um, uh, lay claim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but ultimately, it went very well for me, and I managed to take uh, Ben down 96 to 53. Yeah, very, very big win. Yeah, I think it's, it's just Which so... Which meant I ended on 277 points, Tom. That's quite a lot of 77, points. 77, you say, that is a lot of points. That's a that is a lot of points. Point. And it was also the number of points that I had scored. <laughs> so we had scored the same number of points, uh, Aaron and I. Cool. Yeah, and then the mm. in terms of the actual podium places, we both gone three zero. So we were both. I think we were the only two undefeateds at this event because um, Stephen uh, took third place, um, and Aaron had scored a greater score differential because he'd shut down his opponents really well and, and denied primary really well and played played the game the way Walks are supposed to play and, and absolutely smashed it. Um, and so Aaron took first place and I took second. Um, hey, clapping! <laughs> well done Aaron uh, you must be very chuffed with that result I am yeah yeah, I'm very chuffed and I'm chuffed with how I play chuffed with the results chuffed with the event overall and the opponents every game was a good game fun yeah. hard game etc it was really well well run event yeah I think they're a, they're a lovely crowd at Outriders and um, I was really happy with second as well and, and prize support for us was was really really good like it's amazing. amazingly generous actually like i think i don't think i've had as good price support um there as as before because we've got we got these this is the best look this is i've got a silver bar that is awesome with outriders on that's freaking awesome there's aaron's gold bar, oh yeah which i'm told is more valuable um but then we got like store credit basically which is flexible which meant i was able to get very carried away and get the avatar of Such Kane, cool model. baby Such and gaz and yes, before anyone asks, yes, the avatar's more expensive. I did spend a little bit of money on top to make sure I got an avatar. But it was the cheapest avatar one could ever have bought, so I was very happy with that. Great. Right, so that takes us through to thinking about um, London Open. That's what we've got coming up. Obviously, you know, RTTs are all well and good, but we also love a big super major and we love getting out to big events. Um, a whole bunch of us are going down to London this weekend, coming to play in the London Open. So given, Paul, that you've had to mostly listen to us all natter on so far, haven't oh, really got to talk much I about I can listen yourself. to your beautiful voice all day, mate. That's oh, not worries. Oh, oh, you can come back again. You're welcome <laughs> all the time. You know, that's, that's, that's all we want. We just want people to just... Boost my ego. Bow down to Tom. Broke your it. ego. Oh. Yeah. oh, that's why we do this. So good. Um, <laughs> but Paul, if you would tell us um, what you're taking um, to the London Open, if you want to unpack a little bit about some of the thoughts and, and tech and choices in, in the list, that'd be really interesting to hear as well. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously, taking Dark Angels, it's yes! literally the yes! only I play. <laughs> Um, and because I am sort of like an innovator, uh, I like to be unique with the way I play the armies and such. I thought, you know what we need? Terminators. Yes. So I started yeah. off, I thought, we'll put 10 Deathwing Terminators in, give them all Thunder Hammer Storm Shields, free Cyclone Missile Launchers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's put in 10 more. <laughs> so now we're up to 20. Yeah. I thought, this, this doesn't feel like enough. So we put in <laughs> 10 more. <laughs> Um, and then that still didn't quite no, feel the itch, not. you know. Yeah, still yeah, didn't yeah. think that was. So we put another 10 in. These 10 only have Storm Bottles and Chain Fists, but yeah. also two free Cyclone Missile Launchers. Um, and then I've got two little command squads that are just running around. They're action monkeys. But they're also Terminators. Uh, but they're also Terminators. That's 44 Terminators so far. And then I've got a Deathwing Ancient who's also in Terminator armor. 45. 45. So we're yeah. up to 45. So that's, that's all the Terminators. 
Forty-five is surely enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good, it's a good round number. I thought. It, it, I think so, definitely. Um, so basically, it boils down to I've got Ezekiel uh, taking the usual powers: mind worm, righteous mm -hmm. repugnance, engulfing fear. So you can take away obsec, give fight last, and do the reroll, hit some wounds on one of my units. Yeah, he's a lovely little troubleshooting unit, isn't he, Ezekiel? Yeah. So he, obviously, into other melee armies, he fixes quite a lot of problems that mm. you can run into. Um, He's also good into the mirror matchup, so yeah. other people don't have the Ezekiel. Just because, obviously, we're both rolling on fours. If you can re-roll yours, statistically, yeah. hopefully, you should be able to roll more <laughs> than they do. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've um, got the Interrogator Chaplain, Jump Pack, Free Thunderhammer. Um, he's rocking Litany of Faith for Mortal Wound Protection. Yeah. Cantle of Hate for the ever-so-lovely plus-two charge. Plus three piling, plus three consolidate, which is yeah. sort of like the spicy sauce of the list. Yeah, um, he's master of sanctity, usual thing. Then obviously, Deathwing Ancient, Thunderhammer, Storm Shield. He's got the Pennant of Remembrance, so pick yeah. it up, pick a unit, make a minus one damage. Steadfast example, so yeah. we can make all of our, our whole army, which is obsec, because why wouldn't it be now double obsec? So all they'll count as two models. Um, <laughs> got the Apothecary on bike, Mister NHS. Can't leave mm -hmm. home without him. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Selfless Healer. NHS is a great name for him. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Just runs around his little ambulance. All the other Terminators just clap as he gets them back, gets them back up and turns them back down. <laughs> Stand outside and clap. Bang in their pots and pans. Like, Woo! <laughs> Obviously, Selfless Healer, so he can rest for free. And he's got the yeah. Reliquy of Repentant, so... When he's within three inches, five up in Vuns is the maximum you can take against anything. Oh, yeah, that thing is just delightful. So, yeah, that is, that again, is. in the mirror matchup, if I can get my Chain Fist Terminators into battle with their Terminators with the Apothecary nearby, they're saving on fives rather than fours, yeah. which is hell of a different. Um, a Ravenwing Champion, upgraded Champion with Play the Triumph. Uh, he's sort of mostly there just as a throwaway unit. He's an easy behind enemy lines. Um, it can also be a bit of a need to go in and kill full squads or character hunting. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much the that is the meat and potatoes of the list. Forty-five yeah. terminators and all the supporting characters you could ever want and love to have with it. Yeah. Um, and it's the main strong. and it's literally a case of I'm going to throw this army at you <laughs> and can you deal with it kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. The answer is often no. The answer is often no. Yeah, it's, it's a terrifying force. And it, so, it's one, so you, you play Deathwing Heavy uh, Dark Angels for, for this whole edition, right? So it's, it's, this Near isn't enough, you. Yeah. There are a few people in the chat claiming that you bought the army on eBay a couple of weeks ago. There's a few misleading, a few people spreading gossip about you. I mean, uh, it's, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's got any more Terminators, let me know. <laughs> well, there's some new ones coming in the summer, um, but yeah, it's 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 a really scary list, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what you can do with it. And say so it's all those it's hitting all those little tech notes with the supporting characters, and just making sure you've got the little tools for the job. Um, just, that yeah. was the that was the thing I tried to do in my turn one against this Dark Angel player was I tried to do a drive by on Ezekiel because it left him <laughs> out on the edge of something. So the shroud runner just flew him. past him and sniped him, shot him. And then I did the D3 Mortal Wound strat in the movement phase, and I just needed one more Mortal Wound, oh. and I'd, I'd have had him. It was almost oh. it was almost beautiful, but I didn't quite get it. So this guy, in his turn one, just like, well, this guy's clearly an idiot, so I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to do anything. <laughs> just leaving him out in the open. <laughs> Doing weird drive-bys. I mean, all of our characters, I mean, like Ezekiel and the Ancient, are, especially so with the Thunhammer Storm Shield, are yeah, very yeah. tanky as well. They're, they're really tough. Two up, four yeah. up. 
Yeah, so you can sometimes try and bait people. As well. yeah, 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 yeah. They will slap in combat. Absolutely. No, exactly. No, they're it's quite a, good to bait people. List. I quite often end up leaving Ezekiel or the Ancient on an objective as the rest of the army goes past. So I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather just have one guy stood on it than ten Terminators or five Terminators. So yeah, they can yeah, just yeah. hold an objective by themselves quite happily normally. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a very, very scary list. Um, I'm, so I'm super excited for you. I think I, obviously you're, you're due a good run at a Super Major and I will be rooting for you the whole way. Oh, thank you um, very much. I'm no, looking no forward problem, to it. No problem at all. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Really excited to see how you get on. Um, so, Chris, Admech. Yeah. yeah, those beautiful Admech. <laughs> yeah, so I've been trying to build the Inari for a while. I've had, it's taken quite a while, but I've eventually got a list for Hail of Doom and a list for um, Inari that I was kind of like interested in. But as I said earlier, I was still going to take the Admech. And we played a game on TTS, didn't we, Tom? Yes, my, we did. My first TTS um, Dalliance, and I used Hail of Doom. Yes, did. And it didn't quite just didn't quite tick the boxes it didn't something didn't quite feel right about it chris also skipped an eldar psychic phase i just want people to be I aware did. of my very first he turn didn't, do, my very didn't first... do a psychic phase in turn one yeah, that's just not acceptable behavior i don't think i've been a tournament without forgetting a psychic phase we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get him there no he's not, he, he was just like don't need to do anything like, what powers. what's going on any powers they're all protect nah yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, well, I'll try Inari. And then Ed wanted to play a game, and Ed wanted to prepare with his, with his Tyranids for London Open. And um, he's taking um, lots of Tyranid Warriors as Leviathan. That's mm. his list. And um, it was quite scary. And I'm not particularly the most finished player when it comes to TTS. So I got first turn, and I was like, I'm just going to run at him. And I did quite a lot of damage, and um, <laughs> you did horrific amount, horrific amount. <laughs> you did so much damage. And then Ed did a little bit, but not much. Not enough. And then I did some more damage. I you did. Lift. And then we called it there. And at that point, at eleven thirty-five, <laughs> high on a TTS victory against Tyranids. <laughs> I was like, you should just take it, mate. Just take it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm an enabler, mate. You shouldn't trust me. I get the, I get the old battle scribe out, and I'm like, yeah, this is the list, blah blah blah. And we made a couple of changes. One, I think, in fact, um, and I submitted it at eleven fifty something. Yeah, you um, had about six so minutes left. A lot of forward planning, but um, no. When I built the list, it was just designed to have as much stuff in as I could manage, just to kind of get the income moving around, basically, and just. You know, each unit hopefully has a role, can deal some damage, deal with the unit, punch up, whatever. Um, so it's, um, I did have a Farseer and a Farseer Skyrunner. I've got rid of the Farseer, so it's just a Farseer Skyrunner and the Incarn, um, just for powers. Obviously, you have to have the Incarn, it's literally the only reason you play the Inari. Mm-hmm. Um, then, troops wise, I've got two five mana Rangers and then five decked out um, uh, Harlequin troops in the Star Weaver. And they no special weapons because they're always going to get out, advance, and charge. But um, they've got um, all the close combat weapons. And then fast attack: two units of three shroud runners and three shining spears. Mm-hmm. Um, which shining spears are all fully upgraded. Yeah. And then um, six um, elites: so two units of striking scorpions, one upgraded; two units of howling banshees, one upgraded; um, a warlock. Um, Something else, I've forgotten. 
Tom, can you wave know? serpents in there somewhere. There's a wave serpent in there. Yeah. Um, D cannons. Three units of one D cannon. Yeah. Um, there is yeah the Warlock Skyrunner. Um, oh, that's it. Two units of Dire Avengers. That's it. Um, one the spicy boys. Did you go uh, for the two six bands? Yeah, just two six bands. Yeah. One which has obsec. Um, so yeah, it's just a load of stuff in each unit can do quite a lot of damage. Um, so after that test game, I drove to Lee's on the Monday and played a game into his demons. And I learned so much in this game um, because he was running 60, 70 demonettes, yep. um, <laughs> eight fiends, yep. two little characters, Bellicor and Scarbrand. Oh, yeah. Um, and I got to go first. Um, and he had nearly he had 50 demonettes off the board. Of course he did. So Cheeky I was like, boy. well, it worked last time. So, <laughs> I'm just going to bum rush. I don't know where 50 deadly obsolete models are. Let's just spread out. Let's yeah. just go. Fucking go for them. <laughs> and I killed... I can't see them. They can't hurt me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I killed 10 demonettes and 8 fiends in my turn. And he had Bellacore, 10 demonettes and 2 characters left on the board. At which point Lee was texting me saying, I'm lo losing all my assets, so I think I'm going to lose. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Basically, then Lee did his turn and killed some things in his deployment zone, but not everything. In that moment, I was like, this, this was the thing that I learned, right? So, obviously, your go-to instinct with the Incarnate is something's died, right, teleport the Incarnate in. I can cause havoc next turn. Excellent. Um, this was a training game, so I kind of did it. And then I thought, yeah. well, actually, do I want to do it? Because, actually, the big thing about the Incarn is you need to be able to teleport him to safety. Yeah, You've got Bellacor and Scarbrand who can kill me, who can kill yeah. the Incarn. Oh, easily. Yeah. And I can't get the Incarn away because the problem I'm facing is that Lee now has Bellacor, two little characters there right next to Bellacor in his deployment zone, 10 demonettes in his deployment zone, and that's literally it. He has no shooting, so he's not going to kill any of my stuff in shooting. So I'm never going to be able to get the Incarn away. Uh, so at that point, I was like, ah, oh, well, you know what? I know what I should do. I shouldn't teleport the Incarn in. I should just leave these five scorpions that are here to kill the ten demonettes and a character with some of my shooting and reset all my screens elsewhere and just dominate two-thirds of the board and just have that. Instead, I decided to go for the Bellacore kill. The Bellacore kill never works. It doesn't. You never and, try and kill Bellacore. At which point, I rolled my Strands of Fate dice and didn't roll a single hit or wound dice um i didn't have my um two of my d cannons in range and i did have three saves which would be really good when he's ignoring invent um <laughs> and i went for the bellicle kill and i did 11 wounds to him and uh i lost the incarn and about everything there kind of like later on in basically that was just I didn't have quite enough, and Lee won like 90, 70 or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I knew, I was, as I was doing I was like, my gut instinct is this is wrong, and I was pretty sure this was the wrong thing, but I just wanted to see, because what I actually wanted to do is see what happens if I just keep being really aggressive and I lose the Incarn early. Do yeah, I have yeah, enough yeah. play with the other stuff? I was just yeah. short on it. Um, what I found is that Shining Spears and Howling Banshees have whiffed um, impressively every single time. The D cannons have been shit every single time. But the D cannons have got that balance of you're just hoping they spike at the right yeah. time. And they're um, they're sort of a deterrent as well. It's kind of 
the mental of impact that they have in terms of where people put heavy armor and that sort of stuff. And it's, yeah, they they they're swingy as hell. Yeah. They're definitely swingy. Yeah, as exactly. Hell. And if you're you're like, well, I'm gonna let's say I roll above or uh, below average consistently for a while, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get those big spikes where they just go off. Yeah, and that's yeah, what you're playing for, aren't they? Just yeah, for sure, for sure. But it didn't happen. But no, so I, uh, it was a really, really useful game. Yeah. Um, to like learn just about what how my army moves and like the sort of structure and ordering of things. Um, so yeah, I have absolutely no idea how most matchups go. All I know is I'm just going to run at people turn one. Um, <laughs> and see what's left. Awesome. No, I, th I think you're going to really enjoy it. Yeah. I do think I do think you'll enjoy it. I think they're they're really fun to play. Um, when everything's clicking and you're doing everything right, it's extremely rewarding, and you you feel very very big brain and very smart. And you can lose the incarn in the first couple of turns and, and win games, but it, it's it's hard. It definitely makes it hard once once that goes. And as you say, with demons, especially in melee demons, it's, I guess his value is also the fact that they're only killing stuff in melee. So you know he's always going to come at the end of the turn if you if he's still around to turn yeah. up. They're going to give you a window at some point, right? And he needed more stuff on the board so I could teleport into different places. Yeah, he, yeah exactly. That. So he, he did. He just didn't have the opportunities. So, but hey, we all got to try yeah. and kill Bellacor sometimes. I did. That, I once had a practice game with Lee where I was like, I'll try and kill Bellacor, and I just shot him to death for the whole GSC. I mean, he died. I don't know how Lee made like four saves at like twenty five. Uh, okay. But it was Admet uh, can it's do not it something I normally try. Oh, yeah, Admet can. Admet well, Admet yeah. really can do it that way. <laughs> You'll get opponents like me who set up an amazing charge with, like, I don't know, I had probably about 10 Terminators. I had my chaplain there. I was probably only about four inches away from the Incarn. And then I was like, I know, with my other unit, I'll just kill this one Dire Avenger that's on an objective <laughs> the other side of the board. <laughs> and, of course, the Incarn then <laughs> disappeared. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so fun. It's just so frustrating for people. It's really, really enjoyable. Um, great. Okay, so Aaron, um, have you have you altered and built, developed on your list at all from, from the other day, or are you, are you taking more or less the same pressure build? Uh, reasonably similar. I was trying out a, um, a war boss on foot in okay. like a, as a second wave with a small unit of knobs in the truck after the truck boys get out. Mm -hmm. But most of the time I found that they just stayed in there. Because I'd done enough damage or pressure to deny the primary, and then I was like, well, getting them out just gives away another point on their prisoners and three points on assassinate, which generally everyone takes. So they just kept right reverse, reversing back up the board to stay away. <laughs> um, so, instead, so instead of taking them out, got some more CP, and I've chucked in a death dread with four claws because that sounds fun. Oh, such it a cool just, one. It's just the so cool. The start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him this down. Is this and is then my a favorite. 3d6 charge. It sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> I, I'm so up for it. I think he sounds awesome. And he, I think for his points, actually looking at him, he, he hits hard as well, right? He's no joke. Like you don't want that smacking something. Yeah, I think him. it's so. Uh, in the war, it'll be it's 85 points in the war. It'll be eight attacks at strength uh, 12. Yeah. So it's damage three as well. High AP. Yeah, so he's minus, yeah minus nasty. three uh, three damage. Yeah. Yeah, and deceptive. Yeah, it's a great five points. Pretty, it's just yeah. a menacing thing on a small base as well to chuck around. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. That's um, I think that's a really strong list. And again, orcs. It feels like there's it's matchup dependent a little bit at the minute. There's a, there's a few things out there that aren't aren't easy for them, but they're they're also in a really nice spot. So I think can definitely expect to do well with it. Um, and then I haven't changed much, so I'm still going with three phoenix lords because it was fun. It was just fun. Morgan Ra didn't die. All event at the RTT. Let's see how long it takes you to die this time. Ignored her. 
Is Morgan Moore a lady or a man? I don't Anyone? know. Yeah. I think it's a guy, but I don't guy? know. No. I know James Ars, Fibo. I'm not Who? sure about Morgan Moore. A very important Phoenix Lord of the Dark Reapers. You know this. Morgan Ra. Give it a oh, Google. I, I believe that person identifies as male. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. That's useful. Anyway, well, that best helps, unit yeah. in my army, drastically OP. So <laughs> Morgan Ra, Baharoth, Jane Zar, Mortal Wound Farseer with the Mark of the Incomparable Hunter and Kernio's Bay. So a very nice suite of characters. A lot of points in characters, which people who know me know I'm just very guilty of doing this. I just like characters. They're just fun. It's just fun yeeting characters around. According to the, the Warhammer 40k lexicanum, uh, it is a he, and it's uh, Baharoth's brother, apparently. Oh, really? That's fun. Yeah. So you wouldn't leave your brother at home, would you? So it's very important for Baharoth. He says, he is also the brother of Baharoth, like the moon is to the sun. Isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, that is nice. Oh, <laughs> that's super cute. That's lovely. Um, I'll make sure to tell my opponents that as they take them off the table. <laughs> um, I think someone's hacked Davy's account. Oh, no, what's happened? Offering He's money. offering five pounds to the first person to kill Morgan Ra at the open. Oh, I'll go with that. First person to kill Morgan Ra at the open gets five pounds. I think that's a very reasonable deal. Um, I'm very happy to happy to, to go with that. Um, so alongside the Phoenix Laws, we've got five rangers to do supporting stuff. We've got two squads of six Dire Avengers for actions and incidental shooting. They're very cheap, just very useful and very cheap. Um, in the elites, I've got scorpions. I've got. Uh, Warlock Skyrunner, what else have we got? can't remember off the top of my head. I took the Howling Banshees out, they're not in it anymore. I know that much. Oh no, the Dire Avengers of the Elites, that's where I had that big hole. Fast Attacks, I've got four Fast Attacks because that's the detachment I've gone with. So I've got two squads of Shroud Runners, I've got six Swooping Hawks um, with Winged Evasion and the Phoenix Plume Relic. So I've got some minuses to hit, got the Feel No Pain on the squad and the Exarch with a four up invun. So Thank some you. potential for tanking things a little bit. Um, if that thing is some limited incidental artillery fire. Uh, nothing else, they will die. And I've also got a squad of warp spiders, got web of deceit on the Exarch, so the squad can shoot and teleport. Um, and he's got spider's bite, which is a combat weapon. Then I've got a night spinner, three support weapons, and a race seer with a D cannon. The D cannons are support weapons as well. And the reason I've switched to some sweeping hawks is the craft world I've gone with for this is masterful shots and swift strikes. So you've got ignore cover, but you can also advance and shoot without penalty. So stuff can move around very quickly. Um, and with the various UKTC rulings and other things, it keys off nicely with battle focus because you don't count as advancing, you can still do battle focus, which means things well, like hawks. Spicy, yeah. hawks have a longer threat range, can reach out further, can shoot, can still teleport, so can the warp spiders, uh, which makes Baharoth great, makes Morgan Ra great because he can advance, shoot, battle focus, hide. Very nice. Um, but I felt that with the game I've been trying to play, I need to be able to, with behind enemy lines, I need multiple units that can sneak in there late because often I have to throw stuff away and then it's how do I get in there late? Baharoth can get in there. I've got Hawks can get in there. I've got Warp Spiders can game, get in there. It? Yeah, exactly. I, I need to play that very carefully to make sure it's a 15 every time because it's not really, it kind of holds them at arm's length. It's not really a here's my whole army, I'm in your deployment zone. It's more of a you're trying to get me, I'm hiding, I'm hitting you a bit. It takes a while, you know. Um, and in, yeah, in the main, I'm just going to try and confuse people with Phoenix Laws and chip away at them, mortal wounds and shooting in, until they're dead. And uh, I love the list. I think it's got, it's got a really nice balance to it. It's nice having all the aspects in there. Um, and I don't know, I, I, this isn't one that I'm going into and thinking, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely place really well. I don't have any illusions that it's, it's a bit silly and a bit of fun in places. But it's got teeth. Um, and if you don't know what you're doing, I will tear your head off. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really fun. Looking forward to it. Right, great. Let's go into... 
our next segment, which is going to be taken over by Chris. Chris is going to take over, captain, dun, dun, dun. and he's going to teach you all how to manage your emotions. <gasps> Woosa! At the table. Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, so, Woosa! <laughs> I think this is an interesting one because at face value, everyone is so different anyway. Um, yes. Once you've got, think about all the people you've played um, in events. Um, some people can go on tilt really quickly, get really annoyed really quickly. Some people just don't care. Mm. The exact same thing can happen to different people and they can react in completely different ways. Um, so I think going into this, like, everyone's going to take different things away from this. But I thought it would be quite interesting just to research it. And because we, if we're trying to get better at playing, we want all the little things. And one of the things can be your focus, right? So when you're playing, you want to be able to play at an optimum level. Um, and this isn't a big, right, let's get pumped so we can run harder and tackle faster and, or whatever. It's, that's not that's not what we're looking for, but we're looking for you to be able to play at your maximum capacity. And that in, in a mental game is obviously all going to come down to it. So we're going to focus kind of on the element of how to handle nerves and getting worried and that sort of thing. And then also um, kind of when you go on tilt, yeah, you roll bad dice, you get really pissed off. How, do you, how are you going to manage that? Um, and if we think of anything else, or if anyone wants us to discuss any other... Yeah, do do pipe up with questions in the chat. Davey's not here in person to talk about arousal, unfortunately. Yeah. But Thank you know. to everyone, by the way, who is chipping in in the chat. We really appreciate it. Uh, for some reason today, my chat isn't displaying by the side, so I'm having to dip into the chat occasionally to see comments. Okay. I'll sort this out next time. But really appreciate everyone um, who's a who's sort of regular viewer who piped up, and new people, thanks very much. Um, it's really, really cool to see you all here. Um, and we'll obviously field some questions and engage a bit more directly with you towards the end. So thanks again. Cool. Over to you, Chris. So um, talking about kind of like nerves and stress and that sort of thing. So I've done a bit of research here. Um, so research shows that how you, and this kind of makes sense as research always does, it proves the obvious, that how you perceive um, a situation impacts how you think, feel and perform. So those three things are going to come out of just how you perceive it. And generally, you challenge, you perceive a situation as either a challenge or a threat. So any sort of thing that comes about, you're either going to be challenged by it or you're going to be threatened by it. And those people who um, are kind of feel challenged by it are the ones who thrive under pressure. Um, so that's because, and so those sorts of things, if you're feeling challenged in a way, then that's going to increase the adrenaline, which is going to help you focus. Whereas if it's a threatening situation, um, you're going to produce more cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So therefore, what we want to be doing is thinking about how to make ourselves um, wanting this to be a challenge um, state. Mm. And what we're trying to achieve then is that we're trying to have self-belief in our skills. Um, we're trying to feel in control of the situation. We want to have supportive people around us. Um, and we also want to be thinking about past experiences where we were successful. Mm. Sort of so that's what we want to be trying to achieve. Mm. And then conversely, we obviously want to be avoiding feeling isolated. Um, you don't want to be focusing on what you'll lose if it goes wrong, um, which I think is a big one. We quite often mm. go to the tabletop and we're worried about what could happen. And yeah. um, I'll use a boring cricket example here. Um, England cricket test team were appalling. Like two years ago, they were awful. They were in a really bad place. I thought so. Um, and they've changed their captain, changed their coach, and they've been on a ridiculous win streak recently. 
And a big part of that is they've completely changed their mental philosophy. So they've started playing really, really aggressively. And test cricket, for those of you who don't know, is five days. It's a very chilled affair, very like slow-paced. Um, and England have completely turned that on the head. And just that fear of kind of like, it doesn't matter if you get out, go for your shots as a batsman can have a really big impact. Um, so that you can see it being these sorts of ideas used across professional sport. Um, also, you don't want to be worrying about looking bad. And finally, um, you want to, you don't want to be in a position where you're thinking the outcome is unobtainable. And I think we've all been there. We've turned to um, matches where we've um, got, I can't win this. Um, oh, yeah. And that is obviously something which isn't going to have any sort of positive effect. Um, so I think it's also important to remember that there are no realistically good or bad emotions. As we said, like, you know, anger can make you try harder. So it can have that positive effect, effect although more in a competitive physical sport. But at the same time, it can obviously um, change your kind of your lack of focus. Um, and also we're trying to remember that people react in different ways. So if you've got a footballer who's missed a ton of opportunities, um, that footballer might well be the sort of person that wants to shy away from the ball. Don't give it to me, I'm going to be out of the game. Yeah. Or they might be the person that says, give me the ball more, I need to make the most of this. Um, so what I wanted to do was kind of go to you guys and say, let's say you've got your first round pairing, you've got Vic VJ, Manny Chima, etc. At the same time, that's yeah, not the same team. Half your army. But you're nervous, you're worried, how do you manage I've got these weeks. tips, um, but I'm curious to see like how you manage um, and deal with those kind of nerves. So should we start with you, Tom? Sure, yeah. I mean, so I've, I haven't drawn... I don't think I've drawn a player to quite that standard in the first round before, but I have, I have drawn strong players in round one plenty of times, right? And so I think a recent example that pops up at the top of my head would be Jack Tite. And I drew Jack Tite round one for... I can't remember which event. It might have been Leicester. Um, and I think, I think psychologically... The, this is where I think because I very much view and approach the game as a social experience and I'm very interested in meeting and learning from top players and that's something I, I see as a value in the game. I think when I play top players, one of the things I always take away from it is well, I'm going to meet someone who's really good at the game, I'm going to be able to talk to them and I'm going to get the opportunity to, you know, to connect with them and meet with them and learn from them as well. So I was very excited to play Jack because I've chatted to him before. I know he's very talented and I was really excited about that. So I think for me, although it was going to be a difficult game, um, all of, I was able to see lots and lots of positives in that, which, and I guess in a way, that's there was also the challenge I mentioned. Right, I was like, well, yeah, if I if I can beat Jack, that's a really that's a really good result against a really top player, and I definitely was seeing it in terms of this is absolutely a game that I can win. Um, and I guess in terms of sort of man, ex expectation management at events in a more zoomed out sense, as well, in terms of pathways and trajectory losing one game at the start doesn't doesn't trouble me too much either because I've, I mean, I've done that plenty of times and what often happens is you end up then powering through the next few games because you're on a different track and and that can that can put you on a different pathway anyway that's that's often quite a positive one um in other ways so i i like to play top players at events and i hope to um so if i draw on round one i guess i rationalize it in as much as well this is this is one of the things you want from the event and you've already got it so it's 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 nice in that sense um, Paul, how do you manage those sorts of games? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the first round, even if it, whether it be a top player or, you know, even if it's a name I've never heard of, because um, it's the first round, you get your parents early, I'll put in the time to do the research. So I'll, I, I will build their list in, you know, um, 
Battle Scribe. Mm. I'll look through the units, I'll see the rules, I'll try and not memorise it, but get familiar with what certain units can do while I'll look at their special rules, psychic powers. So I've got a baseline understanding of what I'm facing before I go into it. Yeah. Um, and I know, generally speaking, no one really likes losing, but I always try and think, you learn more from stuff that I find from a loss than you would from a win. 100%. Um, and you'll always think, and it's always good then afterwards just to speak to your opponent, I find, and just say, look, how do you think the game would have gone if I'd have done this move instead? Or is there something I could have maybe done to improve on what I did? Um, so there's always ways to learn from it. But yeah, it's, there's always that issue when things aren't going your way that you can get, you know, as they call it, salty at the table. And it's just, like I said, it's how you just got to try and manage it yourself. I normally, if, even if I'm playing like a really good player, I normally try and make a joke out of the game anyway. I try and have a laugh yeah. with my opponent, you know. Which is the biggest joke of all, is just playing yeah. against me normally. But when, you, when, when, you, when you're both having a laugh and you're having fun, you, you kind of care less about who's winning and losing oh, than completely. if you're taking it as like some sort of serious competitive thing. And if exactly. you just make it into a social thing instead between two new people, then I just find the game just happens to go it's a lot smoother either way. Isn't it? Totally. Yeah. 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 100%. I like that. That's a really good point. And Aaron? Um, I just get really annoyed if I if I go and say I can't win it if it's not someone I'm going to be able to ruffle stomp then I don't want to turn up really. Yeah, I <laughs> the right way. It's the approach. Yeah. Uh, no, look, for me, like similar to echoing things that you lot said, like um, the first and foremost, it's a social contract I'm entering with my opponent. That's what's more important to me over anything is yeah. the interaction I have with them. Um, and yeah, that. The, the reality is no game is defined. You you don't know the outcome no, of the no, game. No. You don't know what's going to happen. There's dice involved. You can mitigate that chance by using skill and experience. But sometimes things just don't go the right way for one of the turns or someone doesn't, doesn't quite kill someone and you can take advantage of that yourself. So, yeah, like um, a bit like Tom said, like I like the challenge of it. Yeah. It's, like, it's almost like a free hit. Because yeah. everyone's expecting me to lose if I'm playing into Manny or into yeah. Rob. So the achievement of if you get close to beating them or beating them, playing a game against them is so much is worth so much more to try and fight towards. And it's the same as that if you play a game against yourself, yeah, you're going to win. It's really easy. But um, that doesn't mean as much as playing and beating or coming close to beating someone that is perceived and is ranked much higher than you. Completely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's, and I think like the common thread there is, is the perception, isn't it? It's yeah. the yeah, idea yeah. that it's, you know, you are taking it on as a challenge and you aren't worrying about the outcome, which is one of the things that we kind of spoke about as soon as you put too much pressure on the outcome. And I know that I played Vic um, a while ago and I was running Harlequins and he was running Empress Children. Yeah. I found out the match on like Monday or Tuesday, the pairing. And in my mind, I was like, and other people were saying, you know, like, this is a definitely a game. I, I, th I thought you had a good game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely a game. Harlequin. Shockingly, Vic knew something we didn't. Who knew? Um, <laughs> um, so I built this game up massively in my head. I was like, oh, it's heavily favouring me. So if I lose, then that means there's a huge golfing class. And it, as soon as we started playing it, I was like, everyone else is wrong. This is, this is a really <laughs> hard game to play. And you know, obviously, Vic played it perfectly, but I really put a lot of pressure on myself because of mm. that. Um, and whereas. If I'd gone in with the approach of, you know, it really doesn't matter, just try and get the most out of the game um, and that sort of thing. So 
I've got ten tips here for you. So ten. Ten. They're going to be amazing. Just um, <laughs> ten tips for you to manage um, or deal with kind of like stressful the stress or the nerves or that sort of thing, and how you can try and get yourself in the best headspace going into that game. Obviously, they're not all going to be applicable um, all of the time. Um, so the first one is listening to music. Um, I know when I used to do tournaments and that sort of thing um, for other sports, like it'd be the pump-up um, kind of uh, anthems in the car as you got there. That really helps you focus, help get the adrenaline going and all those sorts of things. It's not something you don't want to hit the table, like... You need a, a walk-on song for when you hit the table. Yeah, exactly, a yeah. walk-out, like wrestling, that's how you should yeah. hit the table. When we start doing six-plus events, we should definitely have, like, walk-ons for, like, the final or something. I get, um, I get hyped for playing GSC by playing Les Miserables. It's good. It's very GSC. It suits them. It works. It works. Um, so, that's one. Um, the next one is um, just self-talk. Um, positive affirmation. Um, and it just, it sounds silly, but it's just, you know, you keep saying the positive things, you do eventually believe them. Um, another big thing is um, positive um, visualisation. A lot of the top sportsmen visualise them doing the thing that they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I can think of a really good example. The opposite of this is, again, boring cricket. Um, when I was like 18, 19, four games in a row, I was an opening batsman, four games in a row, I got zero. Okay? And... It was awful. And I went into that fifth game and I was trying to do the positive visualization thing and I couldn't. I literally couldn't imagine myself like hitting the ball off the screen. Be the ball. And Be the ball. It was so mentally, it's horrendous. And I was like, as the opening bowler ran in on that next game, I was like pretty much like shaking. Just like my head was like, I just couldn't focus. Everything was a fog. I managed to edge the ball through the slips, got off the mark. The whole crowd of four people went wild. And I went on and did okay, but it was like it was really hard to visualise. But that is um, that can be a really important thing. Yeah. Um, next one, um, using your or being efficient in what you're doing in terms of how you're spending your time. So the example here is a tennis player was spent all of her time arguing with the referee, the umpire, about calls. And how often did the umpire turn around the call? Virtually never. So therefore, it wasn't an efficient use of the energy to the result. And I think we can all experience that. Um, we've all experienced that at 40k when it comes to dice. Um, and you are, you've rolled your dice. It suddenly feels like the whole game has gone because you haven't landed the average hit rolls that you were supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's. I think it's about, and we will talk about going until in a bit, but that's something which is really important. Yeah. Um, facing your fears. So I found this one quite an interesting one. So there are three ways we, keep, we cope with situations. We either avoid them, we react in an emotional way, or we problem focus them. So for example, imagine there were, you're worried about snakes in your garden. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Boy, am I. It's a regular occurrence to me, worrying about snakes yeah. in my garden. And live in Uganda and you will learn to worry about it. It'll happen. <laughs> It'll happen. I mean, I've seen the movie of snakes on the plane, so it must be even worse when they're in the garden. <laughs> um, so, you could decide to never go in your garden again, um, which would be an avoidance, Done. an avoidance strategy. Yeah. Or you could convince yourself that having snakes in your back garden isn't actually that bad. And that would be an emotional way. <laughs> or 
you can come up with the problem focus, which is obviously get rid of the snakes. Yeah. Um, and whereas avoidance and emotional can have like quite short term positives, they won't have long term ones. So therefore, we want to be trying to think about problem solving. So when we're de dealing with like the kind of the problem solving aspect of things, um, what we want to be doing is thinking, how do we solve this problem long term and um, kind of like go from there. OK, so that's five. The next one, very quick, relax your body. Um, just try tensing your muscles for a few seconds and then relax them. The research shows that leads to a reduced heart rate. So, so there we go. Very uh, good. Learning from others, um, role play. We all have a bit of role play. But, um, <laughs> Especially at the table. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just thinking about those difficult situations and practicing them. I know like, when we do it a lot at school, um, I'm a teacher for those don't know and um, we do a lot of like role-playing situations and it just helps you be more prepared for the mineral life and we've all been on these work courses haven't we where they're like right we're gonna role play how to manage this situation you all hate yeah. it but then you just want to be talked at and just get it done with but then when you actually role play it, you do actually feel a lot more um, secure in that situation mm. um reviewing your kind of your games and that sort of thing developing yeah. that aspect of self-awareness it helps you being prepared um you know Paul and Aaron spoke, or, um, Paul spoke about making the list um, in Battle Scribe. I think that's just, you always feel a lot uh, more satisfied and happier in yourself going into the game, potentially knowing what their game plan is or knowing what their list does. It's the unknowns that create the that negative emotion, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and that, that's um, beginning to solve the problem, right? If you're, you're actually like working out what the problem is, right? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So anything you can do to be more prepared is what, about what we said earlier about having that network of support, talking all the plans myself. But I just like that reassurance and bouncing ideas off loads of people because sure, even, I guess you could say, I would say more knowledge is better. Obviously, oh, yeah. it could lead to Knowledge confusion. is power. Knowledge is power. You could lead to confusion and mixed messages, but you get to, you know, work out what the key takeaways you want. Um, and then the there's there's a couple more, but it's um, a, another one is, for example, taking deep breaths. Um, it's just <laughs> centering yourself. Um, it's amazing how um, helpful. Um, deep breaths can be. I mean, um, even with the deep breath things, like if it, I've had um, like challenging. Either, either challenging experiences at the table from my own, you know, dice rolls or poor movement, or just from maybe from like the opponent as well. And what I'll do is I'll just go out for a cigarette. I'll yeah. just say to the opponent, or just you know, you can just excuse yourself yeah, in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You've got plenty of time generally at a game. You can go get yourself a couple of minutes, just go outside and just have a breath. You know, you know, mm. just, just relax yourself, think about it, yeah. and then just crack on and go back in there. You know, yeah, that can, can break you out. Is, of whatever yeah, that cycle is so much better, I find. And also, it gives you opportunity to see things from a completely different perspective. Yeah, you can just sort of get a fresh state of mind on things. Yeah, I know Lee has said before um, that he was like, I just need to go to the toilet. And he went off to the toilet and then, whilst going for a pee, came up with a game-winning strategy and then came back and won the game. And just that, those mental Lee's breaks. Lee's magic Lee, everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's just a really... You, that sort of taking away from the self situation. A tournament I won, I remember being in the, um, I was kind of in the final, I've been told that if I won, then I'd probably win the event. And yeah, I just took myself away with like a turn to go or something. And not not to think in any way, just to recenter myself and just to get yeah. away from it, just to kind of 
break that cycle of because your brain's immediately the adrenaline's like going overboard there you're like i'm gonna win i'm gonna win this is amazing i'm gonna win this event <laughs> and you suddenly stop thinking clearly so just to try and break that cycle mm-hmm. um so that's kind of like some things about dealing with um kind of like nerves and anxiety and then i guess the other thing i wanted to touch on was going on tilt so for those of you who don't know going on tilt is where something bad happens and you get angry like really angry and um, it, then it affects your um performance so a hey, is classic on computer games um you know like this is bullshit and then you know <laughs> the, there's a hole in the wall or you know yeah. tv or whatever you score on fifa and they leave the game all that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all that sort of stuff <laughs> um so i think we've all been there so i'm curious like how do you and it affects people in different ways because some people will roll dice and roll crap and be like oh well and other people so for me for example i know that actually i am far more likely to get annoyed with people who i know and play with um and the most most angry i've been at tables before um um probably not surprising to those of you who know but jamie east um about jamie east's amazing ability to just Pure out pure rage and I, I I have a history of like at key moments wrong badly at Jane, with Jamie East and I just yeah I've, I that's when I felt the most rage when I play a um, when I play a tournament game I don't ever get angry um, I don't know what that is Paul um, but um, yes yeah, Kirby so, flipping a table uh, <laughs> oh yeah oh, how do you guys, I don't know if you do get angry at the table, but how do you guys manage bad dice? Shall we start with you, Tom? Yeah, I, I don't, I, dice I don't tend to get spun out by, really. I, I've never really, I think it's taken me a long, t- I, I wasn't a natural for knowing what expected outcomes in the game were. I, I am good at maths, but I've never really studied it or done it. And so I've, I've started to get that now, but that was never something that I was going into the games knowing what was likely to happen. I'm a bit better at it now. I think, fortunately, I've just not ever... Yeah, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't work. That's okay. Um, I think mistakes, making mistakes, I can definitely get a little bit a little bit down, but I think it's important to turn that into a learning opportunity as quickly as you can. That's what I, I do normally. So, you know, in this, this game I played against um, Sam, the Grey Knights player, the other week, I basically just left a completely unnecessary gap that you could teleport into and disarm a bomb at the end, and it's one of those things where you're like, oh, it's just such a such a brainless, brainless thing to have done in the last turn of the game. Haven't thought it through, um, but again, it very was tried to very quickly turn that around to be something. Was like, well, that's a very useful lesson for making sure you screen out your bombs at the end of the game and make sure people can't get at them. And, and that's that's what the lesson was. It didn't actually affect that game in the end, but it was one of those moments where I was a little bit frustrated with myself. Yep. So, yeah, I think trying to find the positives and the, the learning experiences in what happens. Dice is a really interesting one because I think that's the other flip side to it is a lot of the time when dice let you down, the actual learning that you should be doing is what about that situation meant that you needed one particular role to go one particular way and were there other ways you could stack that up in your favor so that you didn't um so we take killing a land fortress um against the votan for example right i'd lined up so that everything i had could have a go at it if i needed it to and so when a few things bounce he made a few four ups on d cannons all that sort of thing in the end a warlock with a shuriken catapult 
killed that bad boy, took its last wound off it because I'd lined everything up so that if there are points of failure, I've got every single resource I can possibly throw at this thing um, to cover my ass. Right, but it'd been easy to say, oh, my D cannon's whiffed sulk and then that's the end of the game but actually you've got to be ready for the decannons to with because they they do that trust me they do that a lot um so yeah i think i think there's lessons there as well you know and there's things like charge distances and analyzing how effective and how likely plans were i think that always helps as well absolutely um paul yeah i mean that's pretty much exactly how i i mean you've obviously got that sort of gambler's fallacy isn't it where you think oh (laughs) i've rolled lots of really bad dice I must now spike. <laughs> I must yeah. now have a whole run of you know nothing but four pluses or whatever, yeah. which obviously the game never works. Casino like that. that is playing yeah. Dark Angels as well. Which is, I mean, it literally is like it. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you just. I mean, uh, one of the things I, I stopped doing command rerolls as much as possible now, apart from like you know for like hits and wounds and that, because generally speaking, a one will always roll into a one. That's like a hundred percent guarantee. So there's never point in ever trying to trying to reroll it. Um, so I try and just, like you said, I always have redundancies, basically. You know, if I, if I think I need to try and make a charge, can I get three units there to try and roll, have as many rolls on that charge as possible so I can get at least one thing in there? Um, it's just, yeah, it's just making sure that you understand that not everything is going to go the way you want it. And even, or is there ways, is killing that unit actually, you know, necessary? Can you just play the game around without having to do that? You know, just take the objectives off them is generally enough to, take the score off people regardless of whether you kill them or not so there is sort of other ways of playing the game that doesn't rely so much as mm-hmm. you know kill it, making sure you kill everything exactly to the wound you know yeah. just keep rolling dice at things eventually something's going to kill something <laughs> fact fact um, you heard it here first people yeah. <laughs> things die in Warhammer um, and Aaron how do you manage your um, anger at the table uh, it's, it's a game I don't, I don't tend to yeah. get that's, I don't. I'm not a particularly angry person in life, anyway. Um, I'm too much busy trying to have uh, fun and be stupid, so, uh, <laughs> like Amen. painting little toy Amen. miniatures and uh, fighting battles with them. Um, so I, yeah, I can't say I've ever. I, I've never found, come a close to finding anger or anything like that in a game through actions that I have done. Um, I can get a bit riled with people's. Um, attitudes maybe but again yeah, that, that's actually more likely to wind me yeah, up than anything right else is, is when when that social contract it feels like that's being broken i think that's the mm. thing that makes me most frustrated is if i perceive that to be being violated um that's that's the only time i'd actually but i, I like to think that's in in the name of approaching it the right way but that can yeah. manifest in hostile ways right um, so that's the one time I have to watch it as well, which is calling calling people out on perceived bad habits, which can itself be aggressive and mean and unnecessary as well. Yeah, you yeah. have to try that harvest, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's an interesting one, because actually, yeah, like dice rolls are just dice rolls, but for me, yeah. the thing that ticks me off the most is when I make a silly mistake. Um, so going back to a game I played against Jamie East, where I was in full control for two, three turns, I made two, re, two or three really stupid mistakes. Um, turn four, and I lost the game. And that, yeah. like, that was what made me so incredibly yeah. like, annoyed. And it wasn't, you know, Jamie; it was with myself. And yeah, of course, you kind of have to like try and take yourself away and that sort of thing. As you say, the game itself, the dice, and it's dice to dice. Sometimes yeah. they will let you down, and you just have to hope that the variance is. Um, like kind of into yeah. in not too extreme, um, yeah. and sometimes you do 
to just lose because some stupid things happen and yep. it's very rare usually there are so many ways you could have played it that there were what's the, the, there's a quote in the u.s office where dwight's like not everything's a lesson ryan sometimes you just fail yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so good yeah and um yeah i think I, I think that's that's for me is the thing so um yeah no that was um that was hopefully helpful to some people. Yeah, a man, well researched. That was really. I did really think good. of a couple of things. I didn't chime in earlier with the uh, the end, like the anxiety and yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Sort of side of it. And I think it's remembering like one thing I do for work is like the the chemicals that set off anxiety and stuff like that are exceptionally close to excitement. Yeah. And it's, just, <laughs> and it's the way and it's perceiving it in a different way, and turning that, and I find that helps me sort of. Um, yeah, take I get, it. I get I'm not anxious. I'm just excited. No, but that's exactly because it's, it's it's both when I when I get it in games, and that's well, that's that's often not really related to whether the game's going well or or mm. not. It could just be it's just later on when it's actually on a Sunday. If you can have a wank before you go to the tournament, it's great. <laughs> so, right, let a bit of steam off, go with a clear edge. No. Never go with a loaded gun. Pop into the toilets then, but if you can do it in the privacy of your home or a hotel room, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. And the police roundup next week. Aaron's going to be doing a whole series on <laughs> moments you can have a wank in, <laughs> in, in order in order to better your development and and and, and experience as a forty k player. It's, it's going to be a really it's good not series. Not at the table. I'm saying. <laughs> not at the table. Week week one. Places you don't do it. But that's uh, interesting yeah. because quite often you hear professional sportsmen say that they don't have sex before events. That's yep. interesting. Yeah, well, they, they do a lot energy. more running than we do, though, don't they, I think? Yeah, they don't want the car. <laughs> that's, that's different, isn't it? So for yeah. male sports athletes, they want to maintain it because of the testosterone or something. But then female athletes want to have more sex because it builds up their testosterone. So it's... Oh, that's interesting. Anyway. Yeah. I think on the you mentioned control a couple of times. I think that's a really relevant one because I think this is one one of the reasons I'm generally able to stay quite level headed is in terms of doing the work of understanding what goes on in the game. I work very hard at it, as in I read and try and understand every army. I try and understand it. So it is so rare that I play against something where I don't know what it's going to do. That it's I think it's easy to be relaxed if you know this list is really good, really well designed. It's going to stuff me. Then that's fine. Like that's that's an, that's an outcome where it's like you know you understand what's going to happen and you know why. And so I think that helps to mitigate surprises, right? Is to to have if you if you're well researched and prepared into different armies, different situations, you're going to be caught out less. You're going to have those sort of unpleasant surprises less, and that can all help you to. Um... <sighs> it's getting out of hand in the chat. <laughs> 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 I'll just read the same thing. Oh dear. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. That's basically. I think yeah. If if you've done the work on your aura army, on understanding others, and you've prepared yourself, that's all you can do. And, and, and you know, and then it's about going in there and giving your best performance of yourself. And I think if you're not putting yourself in a position where you feel like there's there's more you could have done, then that's that's all you can do. And that's that's the key thing, really. And before it goes too far. So that is um, how to imagine. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. That was really interesting. I want. I reckon there's a series in that. That was great. That really, say also with me, if, if I feel like a game is going south and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm losing this game, I'll just set myself my own stupid little personal goals. I'm like, yeah, exactly I'm going to kill this game. Or, or <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, I, yeah. can I stop you scoring 100 points? Then that becomes my own little mini game in itself. That I don't, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. I don't have to worry about everything. So. so when my first ever Hellstorm I went to, obviously a brand new player, I think I went, what was it, like 2-4? 4 can't remember. Anyway. On the way up to that, was we had like the Hellstorm chat, and I was like, most memorable Eldrad death. I had Eldrad on my list. 
gets a Twix. Basically, the deal. So that Eldrad, when it, well, if you kill him in a really epic way, you're getting a Twix. And then, obviously, in quite a few games, Eldrad died because I got brutalized in quite a few games. Um, but we had this really epic one where a guy ran his Wolf Lord through the, the lines, and the Wolf Lord ran Eldred down with a hammer. It was, oh, it was just badass, and yeah, so that was that was fun, and it was a way of again finding some fun in, and positives in in the negative, which is you know your Warlord set or whatever it is. Yeah, cool, great. Mm -hmm. Okay, well we've got a little mini game for you all now, so oh, get ready, everybody. Oh yeah. So this game is is catchy. Catchy title, short and snappy. It is Guess the Infamous Ninth Edition Unit. What I've done here is I've got plucked out of my memory five units. <laughs> There's no Deathwing Terminators. Five units from across Ninth Edition that were, for one reason or another, very infamous or sort of. Got a lot of it. Got a lot of noise. Very unpopular with with some people for some reasons at different points, or with, with the, the the sort of focus of people's ire or frustration. Um, and I'm going to start describing that unit. I'm going to try and quickly guess what it is I am talking about. Okay, so you in the chat can join in. Fill your boots. Five units, just randomly plucked out. I'm a full point. bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a full bunker. <laughs> um, so, if we are all sitting comfortably and ready to begin. We will start. Could you so, say uh, round one, please, Tom? Round one. Fight. Action. <laughs> so, this is quite an early, early book of ninth edition, and this guy is slow, smelly. Yes, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, Paul. It was the foul blight spawn. Very well done. Uh, Chris did say fights last guy, so Chris was on his way. Let's do it. So, Foul Blight's one's first one. Okay. Next up. That is so loud. Spiky. <laughs> He's stabby. Drakara. Uh, Pops out from places. Drizar. Yes, Chris. It is indeed Drizar. Master of Blades. So, Drizar, Master of Blades. So, that's one to Paul, one to Chris so far. Okay. Next up, very, very skewy defenses, essentially free free rerolls, 90 points when it came out, lots of shooting, and people very quickly realize you just need to spam a bunch of these. And oh, the Void Weaver from the Star Wars. Void has it. It is, it is the Void Weaver. Very, very good. It was the Void Weaver. Okay, so Paul is oh, on shit. two, Chris is on one. Aaron hasn't turned up, but he's not going to let it tilt him. Yeah. He's, he's hanging in there. <laughs> Aaron's like, I'm just waiting he's for the over, mate. Just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. I didn't play for most of the night. No, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're probably approaching your time now. Um, so, in theory, this is a basic troop choice, but it ended up dominating the game for a few months. Good shooting. Nope. Ranges. Good melee. Oh. Absolute pain to kill with the right defenses layered on it. Rubric Is that your, very um, cheap at the rack time. Things, or? No, oh, it's rack, rack, rack attack. Um, so enormous bricks of these bullying the board as Tyranid one Warriors? of the later builds. Yes, Paul. It's uh, the Tyranid Warrior. Very, very good. Paul three. I think he has now one. There, <laughs> is only, there is only one left. Okay. Right. Round five. Where's your button sound? Oh, I've got used Hi. to it now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so. so. 
got the infantry keyword for reasons completely unclear. Smashes everything he touches. Morgan Ra. Abaddon. <laughs> yes. Abaddon, yeah, yeah. I, like that, I like that you had time to get the joke answer in and still, <laughs> still, bring right it, still bring it home with the correct answer. My next point was can't decide what legion to be today, etc, etc. That's right. So that is Abaddon. Paul, mate. Okay, well. Play this game far too much. That was, yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> that was really very impressive, Paul. Well done. That's good. Um, I, I, might bring that, I might bring that game back. Because there's obviously a lot more units out there uh, that people have been annoyed with over the years. Wonderful. Okay. Then I think we've got some questions, and then I think it's pretty much time to go home. So we're going to start fishing in the Discord. Obviously, you, the listener, if you want to uh, throw a super chat in and, and buy Chris some nice things, he'd very much appreciate it. He needs um, he needs all the Yanari units he can get because he's obviously switched army again at the moment, thanks to our encouragement. Um, but we'll yeah we'll field questions in the chat more generally as well. So if one of you guys wants to take the chat questions, I will fish off of the Discord. We haven't had any chat questions. Sweet. Well, maybe they'll come. Maybe they won't. Doesn't really matter. Oh, and then we have one on Lee Churchwood. I think this is towards you, though, Chris, when talking about cricket. Do they eat their cucumber sandwiches aggressively with a crust on? Is that how they've changed their uh, batting attack? It's how they've done it. And you know what? It's worked wonders. So, you know, it's way forward. Wonderful. So, first question we have uh, from Discord is from Bloodrender, and he asks, "How do you get, all, how do you all get over or around hobby block, both for playing and building painting? Also for Chris, how much is too much painting to do before an event?" Well, I'll let you know. Um, whether I, if I didn't have an airbrush, I'd be like, oh, "But I think we might be okay." Um, how do I get around hobby block? Is paint something else um, mm. or force it through because sometimes yeah. it's just got to get done like yeah i would only i would only be painting something i didn't want to paint if i had to get it done for an event yeah. and today we're doing this as a hobby at which I point you want, want to do something else right so there's something yeah, more yeah. important yeah, yeah. yeah like if you don't want to paint it unless you have to don't paint it paint something else just mm. paint character stops stop exactly yeah. that's that's uh, kind of where i'm at it i'm kind of at it with pool which is like sometimes I don't want to paint or don't want to play, and I think it's yeah. important to listen to that. We do we do this. Let's face it, a lot. Like we do this a lot. We talk about it a lot. We think about it a lot. And actually, feeling like you want a few days off is a very valid thing. As is sitting out the meta for a chunk of time, or trying a different game, or just going and doing other stuff. I think that's all. That's all very valid. With hobby and painting, especially, I do definitely think, as Chris says, switching out to something else. Like I love painting a character. Right, painting a character is just a nice time. You get one model and you just go, and it's a nice way to sort of revitalise yourself a bit if you've been painting a lot. Um, like as Paul is painting that beautiful Azrael over there. Um, so go go where the excitement is and go where the joy is sometimes as well. Yeah, right. I think the only other bit I do is just switch from painting and build something. Yeah, I'm off, I'm often in the mood for one but not the other. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I hate yeah. building. No, thank you. I hate building. I hate no. painting. I do it, but I do. I don't enjoy. I don't. I, so when I get into the zone, I'm happy with it. Uh, I prefer the painting to the building side of things. If I could just have pre-built models, I'd be in my <laughs> element. I think. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Elmo Miniatures who asks: Would the Home Alone kid actually survive being turned into a space marine? Does he have what it takes? No. No, no. absolutely, obviously, doesn't. Reedy little runt. Yeah. But that is a, a reminder that Lewis has launched um, The Rest is Warhammer and you should go and watch The Rest is Warhammer on our YouTube after this because it's a really fun episode um, and we get 
right into how Space Marines are made. Good background listening whilst you're painting. When a mummy yeah. Space Marine and a daddy Space Marine fall in love. They love each other. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> Graphic, intimate details. Oh dear, sadly not. No, it's, it's horrific. Um, Navaris then asks, what personal bugbears do you hope they remove for 10th? The example they give is I want sixes to hit, counting as sixes to wound gone. Yeah, that is a very obnoxious one to be fair. Yeah, Alternatively, what, what do you hope they keep or add for 10th? What do you hope they remove? Um... More wounds. Mortal wounds, did you say? Yeah, mortal wounds no, are. I, I don't. I don't no like way. the way it works. No, 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 no. Right. So, I don't like the way it works. That it just goes through everything. There's like no defenses against it unless you've got a special extra one. I don't think it's been worked quite well. On how prevalent it is? Like you just go up and you have no option. You've got your. It's so unflavorful, isn't it? Like you've got your super tanky, like um. Just some that you can't kill. I need my mortal wounds. Yeah, no, come on, man. That's the problem. Like, I don't like how it just goes through everything. It just, mm. I don't think it works for it. So you'd rather us just not be able to kill different terminators? Yes. That's the future yeah. you want to live in. <laughs> just roll fours. <laughs> Drop all just roll fours. Nothing. Uh, yeah, no, I like, I like, the time, it works like all the time. Wounds. I like mortal wounds. Is there anything? I really hope they keep the thing where they bring out a rule and then they bring out another rule to counter that rule. And then they bring out another rule to counter the rule that counters the rule, and they just keep snowballing this effect. Mm. It's so much fun. I love that. That's, it, that's I, dis thing. I dislike that. I, I'd like it if each book that came out wasn't the immediate hard count. I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> Can you not just mix it up a bit? Um, what other mechanics are obnoxious? I think no reroll stuff has to be very rare. I think no rerolls is. I think they've already sort of mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, you need to make things less hyper efficient so that you don't need to take those efficiencies away. Yeah, though. having an army that lasts five turns would be nice. I mean, obviously mine does, but for other people, <laughs> is yours, what I'm saying. Yours lasts eight turns, Paul. Yeah, but I think <laughs> I think um, they do need to tone down because at the moment, some games with certain builds and armies, they can literally table the opponent in two turns, and I just think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a weird way of playing the game. You kind of mm. want the game to last five turns, at least, surely. Sure. But make it yeah. make the turns quicker if you can, or some way. I don't know. Yeah, and they obviously need to bring seizing the initiative back in, don't they? Because that was that was fun. Oh, and night fighting. <laughs> night fighting. Oh, and, and and round six and seven if needed. Yeah. You just randomly roll for it. Does it end? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the random t game end length. End yeah, that was so nuts. weird. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, bu -bu -bu -bum. So, then we have Gelmaris asks, do you have any concerns about the sneak peeks that have been shown so far? Yeah, there's bloody squad leaders. Yeah, okay, so yeah, characters plugging into squads is like it. it's a big change. It's a, it's a big, big change. change. And it, I, this is one I like where it. I, I think it's quite cool. I, I, I see the potential in it. Um, it's so hard to conceptualise how a lot of the armies I play would work with characters like that but we'll, we'll you know it'll it'll be but this was the issue of seventh right you could do it to loads of loads of characters to a unit death star yeah, and then it they've already said that apart from in niche circumstances like captain lieutenant you you, mm. you only have yeah they have one character. but there's still those potential issues if mm. they get it wrong I mean, let's face it they don't historically get these things right but yeah, i like the re-roll thing because it helps with your positioning 
and it's all about getting the synergies and how you lay out your army and structure mm-hmm. the move. You've got like that linchpin unit and you're distributing it out to the other units yeah. rather than just this unit goes off, does its thing with its character. This unit Also, how much time is going to be saved in the game when you're not having to measure where your character is? They're making sure yeah, it's true. all the other armies are linked back to these auras. Yeah, but when you're daisy chaining, they're making sure that you know that they're not going to be ganked by something that you haven't killed. Yeah, skill. It takes. It's a certain technique that you've got to get, and it's what the stronger players can do. Mm-hmm. And that was my issue with um, to step into ninth to think they took some things away which were skill based, mm-hmm. and I hope they don't do the same again. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then finally, Havoc asks, how often do you usually enforce what you see is what you get? Um, and also, how much do you find opponents generally care about a painted army? I care about a painted army. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone appreciates a nicely painted army, and people will comment. I will always comment if I see it. But I think, especially at competitive events, I think there are so many other priorities people have. It's never bothered me if the army's a little bit ropey looking. Like there are occasional moments where I find the line. Like there was a lad playing with bases that did, were mortars that had no mortars on and were just lined up in the back building. And I was like, come on, man, you can't just say those are mortars. Um, so there are occasional things that, that make me a little bit a little bit loopy. But the problem no, when you've no. got grey models is that when there's no detail on them, they all kind of blur into one if they're all yeah. a similar size and height. Yeah. And then it's, it only takes to be on grey terrain and you're like, now I can't see yeah. it. <laughs> it's definitely a much less immersive and enjoyable gaming experience. Like if you play locally with mates and you bring grey plastic, it, oh, yeah, it's fine. it doesn't yeah, do anything, no does it? Yeah, but it's fine for practice. But like, I love a fully painted army playing on a full, like, fully thematic mm. board and all that stuff. It looks looks great. To um, Paul's point, I played against Sisters once and he had a ghost theme. Screw you, Dave. And the whole ghost ghost theme for the Sisters meant I had no idea what each unit was. Um, and actually it did make it quite tricky because it was just all blocked in the middle and I was like, I don't know who I'm charging here. So it yeah. does... Um... I had a similar thing at the... Was it the Leicester Super Major? I, my, one of my last... Towards the end of the tournament, I played a guy who had a fully converted um, Chaos space marine but it was all chaos demons it was using age of sigma models mm. nothing was the model it was meant to be and i had it took oh, i was so confused throughout <laughs> the whole game trying to remember which model was meant to be which unit it was so annoying i got there in the end but yeah and it looked it looked amazing but it was so frustrating to play against because i just could not work out instantly yeah. what i was doing because nothing looked like it was meant to yeah that is there, there are obvious reasons it is it's important to try and do it where you can i think with WYSIWYGs specifically, the game just changes so quickly and so much now. I don't think yeah. you, you can't. Can. Like, your models aren't going to survive. If you, if you ever, no every cares. time, like, Drakari, if every time a Disintegrator Cannon is better than a Dark Lance, I swap them over, they will all just be dust. No one within, knows. Within, within a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can magnetize them. No maybe I don't like magnets. Maybe I'm anti magnet. You don't know. But yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you don't um, know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, there's, there's ways around it, but I think it's something to not. As long as you're again engaging in a good spirit and you're making things easy for your opponent to understand, being very clear in what's where, it I just needs to be clear. Be it? That's it. That's yeah. It's like so industrial weapons on near fights or whatever. Like I'd always take the same loadout for every squad and keep it simple yeah. that way. And then there's no same there's no Harley. doubt, right? It makes it straight. Yeah, Harley's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and explain with your opponent how you how you're doing things. Yeah, and when you're like this unit is the, I'm pulling the fusion and embrace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. That's, that's a good communication as always in this game is is the answer <laughs> um right let's see anything coming on the socials at all narrator tom does not like magnets i've just uh, magnets don't like me i never get them to work they just fall off everything gets confusing 
uh, Havoc wants that, to join the that's anti-magnet why I have so party. Many yes, Terminators. yes, an end to magnets, Havoc. Let's let's bring them down. Um, blue tag have... instead. Blue. I, have like... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have like forty more Terminators than I think anyone should ever need, and it's just because I haven't magnetized <laughs> anything. So I've just got lots more Terminators. I just buy more whenever I need a new weapon option. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. I think that's us. That was a slightly snappier show. We've um, we've got some time spare, so well done. Well done, everybody. Thank you, Chris, for that really interesting um, segment on on the psychology of it. I think there's some really positive lessons there. Thank you to everybody that tuned in. We massively appreciate it. It's been so much fun doing these live shows, and we will be back again next don't week. Don't forget so to like and subscribe. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all that stuff uh, for the lion. Uh, thank you very much, Paul, for coming on. Um, I and thank you. We'll, if you're out at London Open, come say hey, because we will be we'll be out there doing what we can in this interesting meta, um, and we will hope to see you there. So be well. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Peace out.